everybody doing this morning? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Y'all give the worship team a hand clap. It's the best. It's the best. They work so hard. You know, love everybody and you wish you could honor everybody every single time. But, you know, I, I want to honor a special group of people this morning, and that's our Sentinels, our security team. Can we give them a hand clap? What a blessing. What a blessing. These guys don't just show up early and stay late on Sundays. They come on Wednesday nights and make sure our children are safe. And uh, it's just, when I, I just, I saw them out and about, and they spend a lot of time outside. Some of them don't get air conditioning, and so we appreciate uh, our security team. Great, great, great bunch of people. It's not just guys. We've got ladies, too, that will jack you up if you play around at the Remnant Church. Amen? I'm telling you, don't play games. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Amen? And uh, so we're, we're, we're talking about get in the game, and this is our final message Forget in the game, and, and Rachel already mentioned it, but, but I want to uh, remind you again about our new series that we're starting next week, Homework. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be so good. Because how many of you know if Christianity isn't working in your home, it's not working? It's going to be a powerful, powerful series, so don't miss next Sunday. We're going to have a lot of fun. Pastor's going to be bringing the word. It's going to be hot, good, powerful, and I'm excited to see uh, what God does through that series. But today we're finishing up, get in the game, final message. How many of y'all are, are, feel a little more inspired to get in this game called Christianity? Amen. Amen. And I don't say game like a board game. I mean like, like get onto the playing field of what God wants to do in your life. Amen. And so uh, I've had the opportunity, we preached several messages on this, and, and uh, the messages that I've preached have all been about God's call to Moses to get in the game. When God calls Moses on the backside of a mountain to go and de- be the man that God uses to deliver the Israelites out of the grasp of Egypt and of Pharaoh, the most powerful country, the most powerful man in the world where the Israelites had been slaves for over 400 years. Um, God calls Moses to get in the game. He gives him an assignment. And it's a really interesting process that Moses goes through when God calls him. And so we've talked about that. But, but the gist of all these messages is God has called you and me to get in the game, to be impact players, not sideline sitters, not spectators, not people who just holler from the stands. Can I get an amen? But people who are impact players on the field of God's goodness. And so 2 Timothy 1.9 tells us that, who saved us and called us, say that's me, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us, in Christ Jesus before the time began. Amen. Amen. I want to preach my, the other messages, but I'm, just, I'm going to get to the new one. I can do this. Ephesians 2.10 says, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work which he does. The good work which he has gotten ready for us to do Work we had better be doing. There's no such thing as a sideline Christian. Amen? There's no such thing. He's called us to put our hand to the plow and be involved in some form or some facet of ministry somewhere. Ed Young says, if you're not serving, you're swerving. Amen? And I love it. The process of our call, talking about Moses, the first thing that God does is he captures our attention. That was the message we did about the burning bush. God uses the crazy anomaly of the burning bush to capture Moses' attention. What anomaly has God used to catch, capture our attention? The answer is the cross of Jesus. Amen. The cross is our burning 
bush, the cross of Jesus, will be what fuels the church to do his work. Second thing we talked about was that God deals with our past. Y'all remember, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. What, and the gist of that message was what has carried you here will not be what carries you there. If you missed any of these messages, you go look at them on Facebook Live or on our podcast. Moses' shoes represented all that had gotten him to the backside of that mountain. His shoes had gotten him to an isolated and self-serving place. He had to take them off in order to step into the holy calling that God has for his life. Amen? And today we're going to finish this up. Um, and the third, pro- the third thing in the process of our call is God equips us for the task. And the subtitle of this message would be, What's in Your Hand? Can, I look, can you look at your hands this morning? Yeah. What's in your hands? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 1. If you don't, I'm sure we'll put it on the screen. You can even look at your phone and read it. Don't be on social media, though. Amen. I'm like, why are you double tapping so much while you're reading scripture? Holy Spirit knows. Um, <clears throat> verse one, Moses answered, what if they don't believe? So oh, let me, before, before we read verse one, God's told Moses, Moses shows him the burning bush, tells him to take off his shoes. And then he gives him this crazy assignment. Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt where you came from, where you murdered somebody, where, where your past is all confusing and messed up. And you're going to go back there and you're going to be the guy to lead my people out of bondage, out of slavery, into freedom, into the promised land. And Moses is like, say what? (laughs) Say who? And Moses goes on like this three chapter argument with God about why he's not the man for the job. And so God has just told him the, the rundown of what he expects him to do, what he's going to do with Pharaoh, what he's going to say, what's going to happen. Israelites are going to go free. You've got to keep in mind that Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. And these people had kept the Israelites in bondage. They had been under the, uh, the, the Egyptians' foot for over 400 years. So this wasn't just an easy task that God was calling Moses to do. So we're right here. We pick up in Exodus 4.1. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? This is another one of Moses' rebuttals towards God's call. How many of y'all, God has ever called you and you were like, God, I think you missed it. I know you're God, but I, I just, I, I, I think you might have messed up on this one. Do you realize who you're talking to right now? That's where Moses is. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? The Lord did not appear to you. What if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, such a powerful statement, what is in your hand? What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. I love that visual. (laughs) Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took it by the tail, and the snake turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. And when it had become white as snow... Now put your hand back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. What's in your hand? What is in your hand? Here's my question to you today, because when you think about getting in the game, you automatically think about your skill set, which if you're like me, it's like you don't have one. Am I the only one in here? I see, when we say get in the game and we liken it unto sports, I think that that visual messed it up because most of us aren't good at sports. I I would be willing to say, like, everybody but, like, Marcus and Trey. (laughs) Anybody want to argue with that? 
Okay. Oh, Gavin. Gavin. See, Gavin. No, we all, we all have. No, I'm just joking. You know, everybody have fun. And so, 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 so we liken unto sports, and, and we think of God calling us more. It's kind of like the NFL combine, right? And, and God lines us up, and he's fixing to find out who the biggest, baddest player is so he can assemble the dream team and win the Super Bowl. And then you got the remnant church. And you're like, God, God this isn't the dream team. How do you know? If it was, I would mess it up. Amen? Like, God's like, Colby, what's your 40? Like, Lord, we don't talk about these things. You know, right? And, and, and we begin to compare ourselves against one another to see who the baddest dude is. So whenever I get up and say God's called each one of us to be an impact player, we go, we, we, we can't. There's only 11 dudes on the field. But that's not the way God's team works. Amen. And I think Moses was stuck in this thing because Moses, whenever God's calling Moses to get in the game, He's like, God, I've got nothing. I literally have nothing. I'm out here. I'm isolated. I'm by myself. All I've got, Lord, all I've got is a stick. This is all I've got. And I'm asking you today, what do you possess that God wants to use to build his kingdom? As Moses is considering getting the game, he does his very best to give God all the reasons why God should not pick him. Moses did not think he was the man for the job. After all, all he had was a stick. I mean, to me, if God's going to deliver Israel out of Egypt, this is, nobody knows exactly how many, but I guess around two million people that are going to have to come out from underneath the, the, the bondage of the most powerful people in the world. They've got no weapons. They've got no money. They've got nothing. And Moses is supposed to march up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he, this, this is what he does, and this is what we do, and it's so powerful. He looks at what he has, and he determines that it's not worthy to accomplish the task. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God has equipped you to accomplish the task that he's called you to. What's in your hand? What do you possess that you view as common? But when God places his supernatural on it, it becomes something that God wants to use in your life to do something powerful. You know what I think messed Moses up the most? I think he fell into the trap that all of us fall into him. It's what we're going to be talking about today because I think this is what jacked Moses up and this is what jacks the church up. Moses fell into the trap of comparison and he looked at what he had versus what he thought somebody should have in order to accomplish this ginormous, and that's a word, ginormous task that God had called him to. He looked at his stick versus Pharaoh's army. He looked at what he had versus other people who he knew that had more than him who would probably be better candidates for the job. Amen? But see, what I found out is, is, is that God calling me is a whole lot less about me than I thought. <laughs> is that good? Is that good? It's about him and what he wants to do in his purposes that he wants to accomplish. And so Moses falls into this trap of comparison. Has anybody ever compared themselves to somebody else? Don't you know Moses looking at his stick going, man, you know, Billy Bob down the street, this dude, he, he's got like a way bigger staff than I do. Right? This guy is way more well-equipped for the job than I am. He's got way more power backing than I do. Don't you know? Moses is like, God, are you sure you got the right job? He falls into this trap of comparing, and I think it's something that every single person in here has done before. Right? And I think it's what the enemy is using to keep the church out of the plan of God. We keep comparing ourselves to each other, and it's killing us. 
comparison. Have y'all ever looked online and, and uh, seen those, the, the, the memes and different stuff and of the who wore it better? Right, you compare. I found some really good ones. And, and so, so w- this sermon is about not comparing, but before we get started, we're going like, to have our last fun moment of comparing. Is that okay? Like, it's like our last hoorah of, of, of allowing the enemy to have control. So who wore it better, Beyonce or the... Is, who, who do y'all think wore it better? Let's compare here. The candy wore it better? I think Beyonce... Lost. She lost, Rachel. I don't like, that's ridiculous. What do we got next? Who wore it better? That's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, I don't know who that is, but um, who is that? Leroy's like Heidi Klum. Here we go. Who <laughs> wore it better? Is that incredible? Uh, who does this? Who sits around and makes these things? I, I, I don't understand. That's amazing. This is my favorite one. The highlighter or the teacher. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. Here we go. That's Ivanka Trump. Or the taco. That's just wrong, and I shouldn't have done that in church. I, I feel a little bit bad about that. Not real bad, but a little bit bad. Here we go. Who wore it better? Hillary or Benny Hinn? <laughs> Don't leave it there. <laughs> Is that awesome? Who wore it better? I think Benny's got it. I think Benny's got it. Mm. Here we go. Is that incredible? Is that incredible? Here we go. Who wore it better? (laughs) Who rocked the 80s stash better? Pastor Dennis or Kip? Napoleon Dynamite's brother. Are y'all... Pastor, you got that one. How many of y'all know who Kip is? Where am I? Yeah, all three. Oh, it's good. But... Who wore it better? <laughs> who was there for the gold suit? Right? Right? That was, that was classic. I think Elvis wins that one. Oh, hey! That's wrong. (laughs) I had nice hair. Huh? That's me on the left. And that's what's her face? Jennifer Aniston. Uh, y'all, Bible school was a really confusing time for me. <laughs> we compare all the time. All the time. We're constantly comparing ourselves, measuring ourselves by ourselves, aren't we? Aren't we doing that? But I want to tell you this. The fastest way... To kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And when Moses looked at his staff, at his shepherd's rod, and he compared it to Pharaoh's army and all the power that Pharaoh had, he didn't seem like he was equipped for the job. But what he was doing is he was killing something special. When we compare, we kill what God has called special in our lives. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul tells the Corinthians this. 
Not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves, compare themselves with one another, here it comes, they are without understanding and behave unwisely. He tells the Corinthians, when you guys are comparing yourselves with yourselves, this is the worst thing you can do. You're behaving unwisely. Why? Because each one of you is created unique and special and have a specific assignment that the next one doesn't have. So when we compare ourselves to one another, we're crushing the call of God on our lives. Listen, I tell my kids this all the time. This, my kids have heard this a bazillion times. I think Zoe's teaching today and Gracie's in EFJ, but if, I, if they would know what I'm about to say, they'd be able to finish it when I say it because we say this all the time at our house because my house is not a place of competition, amen? It's a safe place. It's a place where you can be who God has called you to be. But every once in a while, the enemy comes in and gets us listen to me, I'm not even talking about the church. I'm talking about there's four of us that live in our house and we're like trying to win the Super Bowl over each other. Is there anybody else? Siblings at odds with each other. Parents that are pitting their children against each other to try to make them better, but really they're destroying. When you compare, here's the statement. When you compare, you impair. When you compare, you impair. Now, I, I want to stand up before I preach this sermon and tell you that this was a difficult sermon for me to preach because I would say one of my biggest difficulties in, in, in the last few years of my faith has been stuck in this crazy, awful prison trap of comparison. It's tough. So I'll be transparent about the difficulty that I've dealt with in comparing myself against you and him and everybody else. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would speak to you on some of the issues that you have because it's hurting the church. It's hurting our families. It's hurting our marriages. It's hurting our relationship with our children. It's hurting the bride of Christ. It's hurting us when we're constantly in competition with one another. When you compare, you impair, you tear down, you hurt what God wants to do. We compare all kinds of stuff, don't we? Don't we? We compare possessions, stuff, who's got the most stuff, the biggest, baddest stuff. I love, I love my home. I love the home that we have. Beautiful home, great home. And uh, the other day we were driving around and, and we were out on hosting and we drove by uh, Erica and Rucker's new place, right? We're like, hey, let's stop by and see him. Rucker in the house? Good, good. Mute the TV. And so, so uh, oh, Erica's here. Dang it. <clears throat> Stop by Rucker's house. We pull up, and I'm like, yeah, pretty nice house. Whatever, it's new. Whatever. Go walking through. They got a kitchen. I got a kitchen. Right? They got bathrooms. I got bathrooms. They got a fireplace. I got a fireplace. They got bedrooms. I got bedrooms. They got a porch. I got porches. Then Rucker's like, let me take you out, man. Let me show you my garage. They got a detached garage. Brand new house. Beautiful, beautiful house. I'm like, I got a detached garage. <laughs> Walking around their garage and Rucker's like, I see some stairs in his garage. I don't have stairs in my garage. And Rucker's like, dude, come up these stairs. I'm like, I got an attic, man. You just got stairs to your attic. What he was like, no, I didn't have an attic. Walk up these stairs. My man's got a man cave. And I'm like, I don't have a man cave. We get in the car and I'm like, Rachel, we're selling the house. Why? Because I need a man cave. 
We compare our stuff. We don't like each other because somebody's got more than somebody else or because somebody has less than some. We compare. We all have a, Erica, you have a beautiful home. Congratulations. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We compare physical attributes. This doesn't really lie as much in the dude realm, right? I don't think. Maybe it does. I don't really. I just stopped. <laughs> it's not worth it anymore. And, and, but, you know, I think ladies, you know, ladies, y'all do this. Vince, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? Ladies, y'all, y'all do this. Y'all compare. Before you've even approached each other, you've already sized each other up. (laughs) Should I stop? I should stop? I'll stop. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Comparing each other. And then we compare each other's spouses to other people's spouses. Man, their, their, their spouse is a little more fit than my spouse. They're, they're, they're. Compare. We get all nasty and funky when we do it, don't we? Listen, I've been with my wife before. She, 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 she's in a bad mood. I didn't even do anything. It was just because the other lady was pretty. What did I do? She's pretty. She's pretty. What the? I didn't even do anything. Preach the truth. Physical attributes, abilities. Right? We all have different abilities. The other day, Zoe's all tore up about her math assignment, and, and Gracie's over there just like, she just does math in her head. She didn't even work out the problems. It's just all right answers. Zoe's not like that. She's like her mother. I mean, these got two plus two. It's, it's questionable. I mean, it's tough. Right? No, I'm serious. Some of the smartest people I know, but we're not all good at the same stuff. Right? I know I'm being funny and I'm being facetious, but I'm telling you, we do this stuff. And she's like, Dad, math comes easy for everybody else. And I'm like, you're not everybody else. Like Reading came easy for you. I still am struggling. <laughs> Listen, when Lacey was her teacher in kindergarten, this kid had a higher reading level than I did. So we did. It's a true story. Different stuff comes easy for different people. I cannot draw a stick person. Bruce Frenzel can, can, ah, it's beautiful. He just draws stuff and it looks amazing. I don't know how you do that. We compare each other's abilities. We compare our accomplishments with one another. Can I tell you something? I almost got out of preaching because I did not go to seminary. I almost quit because it, I was so sick in comparing myself with everybody. You know what did it to me? I was driving down the road, a pastor in this town on the radio, and the pastor said, said you know, there's people preaching in this town, and they, he's telling his congregation, they don't even have a seminary degree. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a seminary degree. It jacked me up. I'll be honest with you. You say, but that doesn't even matter. It mattered to me. Jacked me up. Messed me up. I got the enemy screaming in my ear, wondering, I wonder what they're thinking that they got a guy preaching to them that didn't even go to seminary. Bet they probably can't even, listen, I'm all jacked up. All messed up. Because I'm comparing myself to somebody else, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Well, we compare seasons, don't we? I, look, look, me and Rachel, we're, we're, we're in kind of a sweet season. But you know what? We're watching home videos yesterday. I'm like crying because I missed the diaper season. I'm serious. Guys, I never thought I'd say this. I miss car seats. This is a true story. And I know all of y'all that are in the season right now, you're like, no, never in a million years. Yes. Man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm looking at my kids, man. They're like grown. They're smarter than me. They're everything. I'm like, I can't even trick them anymore. I can't do anything. <laughs> Rachel and I, we go to the grocery store now. We leave the kids at the house. And I'm not saying this to, don't compare yourself, right? But we, we run into somebody at the grocery store and they look at us like with cross eyes 
And they got like seven kids running around and people stealing stuff and all hell breaking loose. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you take the kids to the grocery store. And we're like on a date. We're like, we're like, ha, 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 this is amazing. And we see, we see the looks. We see the looks. Listen to me, we're all in, we compare seasons and we long for seasons. Listen to me, we long to be in a different season so we miss what's special about the season that we're in. We compare everything and it jacks us up, messes us up. Paul said that's not unwise, it's behaving unwisely to compare yourself by yourself, right? Compare everything. Compare everything. I like the, the, the ladies. You get a group of ladies together, they start talking about how they had babies, which that's just something dudes don't talk about. <laughs> Amen? You got the lady, she's like, I gave birth in my kitchen sink while I was cooking spaghetti. No painkillers. Right? Right? And then you got like the heroin addict that was so doped up, they don't even remember anything about their birth. Listen to me, none of it matters. We're all sizing each other up to see who's got more game, man. Who's got this? Who's got that? None of it matters. We all have a specific call. And when we size each other up and we compare ourselves by ourselves and we determine our value by where somebody else is or isn't, it messes us up. We compare generations. This is a, a, a powerful thing that happened in my house not too long ago because I'm, I'm like the ultimate like back in my day, right? It's just what you do with your kids. What are you griping about? You know, you, you know, back in my day, I walked five miles to school with baked potatoes in my pocket. Keep my hands warm. That was my lunch. <laughs> you little spoiled bunch of, bunch of know-nothing, you little millennials. The millennials, they don't know nothing. Hey, America's going to hell in a handbasket. We long for the glory days of the 1980s. Bring Reagan back. Right? Can I tell you something? We're not going to bring Reagan back. The 1980s are never coming back and the next generation is all that we have. And so I would say all this stuff to Zoe like, you know, when I was a kid, we had to suck it up and we drank out of a water hose, you know, you little filtered water freak, you know. And, and, and so Zoe, one day I'm saying all this stuff to her and starts, she gets upset. She gets upset and she said, Dad, it makes me feel like my generation isn't worth as much as your generation. It makes me feel like we're not going to be able to accomplish what you've accomplished. Because here we are comparing generations. We got the old folks against the young folks and the young folks against the old folks instead of all coming together and celebrating one another and what God's done in our lives. I'm telling you, this comparison deal, it jacks us up. We compare our marriages. We compare our spouses. We, compare, we look at that guy and that girl and we, we want everything but what we have. We compare our children. Like, my kids are better than your kids. Can we stop? It almost killed Moses' call. Comparison. When you compare, you impair. So we're going to understand comparison. Three things about comparison. The first thing, what comparison produces Comparison produces discontentment. It produces discontentment. It makes me not be able to be content with what I've had, with what I have. God said, Moses, what is in your hand? And he did not even value what was in his hand. Yet it was going to be the thing that God used to split the Red Sea. The thing you don't even view as significant because you've compared it to somebody else's is going to be the thing that God will use. You've compared your spouse to somebody else's spouse because you were on somebody else's Facebook page and you saw their spouse cleaning dishes. But God has given you your spouse. And that's going to be the thing that splits the Red Sea in your life. Amen? 
that's the powerful thing that God doesn't want you to devalue. It produces discontentment, which results in jealousy, envy, insecurity, depression, pride, and a critical spirit. Critical spirit, right? You know, I've always been a little more shapy than other people, right? And sometimes you just look at a skinny person eating like a double quarter pounder and you're just like, dude, I hate you, man. Like, I just don't, I just don't even like you a little bit. You know what I mean? Critical spirit. Because listen, whenever we're insecure about where we are in our own lives, we can't celebrate where God has somebody else. All we can do is try to tear them down. Right? That's, 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 that's why, listen to me, when, when all you can do is criticize something, all you're doing is exposing the deep insecurity in your own heart. That's, that's, that's what this is. Because we're measuring ourselves by ourselves, it's behaving unwisely. Andy Stanley, a great uh, preacher, I, I, I watch lots of different preachers and stuff that they do, but I heard a message from him one time, and, and, and he talked about the land of Ur. He said, Christians live in the land of Ur, right? The land of Ur. What's the land of Ur? The land of Ur is pretty Ur. Rich Ur. See, because nothing's good enough because we're not content with where we are and what we have. I'm not pretty enough. I need to be pretty We live in the land of Ur. Why? Because Leroy thinks Heidi Klum has got something going on, Right? <laughs> I personally believe I gave Jennifer Aniston a run for her money. Listen, we can't be content with our financial situation because I'm, I got money, I, got, I might be a little rich, but I need to be rich. There's never enough. I skipped the third one, I'm even faster. Listen, I'm, I, I need to be better. I need to be fancier. I need to be skinnier. I need to be cooler. We're all consumed, and how do we measure? Who measures the cool scale? Like, who does this? Who decides what's right and what's wrong? What's cool and not cool? I got up this morning, and I wanted to put on my large plaid shirt with blue jeans and my cowboy boots. I think it's cool. Thank you. Right? Randy put on a motorcycle shirt. But we're not going to... Ur, we live in the land of Ur. What I have is not enough. I have to have a little bit more. I can't be content with where I am. And here's the real truth. If I don't have Ur, I don't have anything. If I don't have Ur, I don't have anything. Everybody say Ur. Right? Listen to me. I don't have a seminary degree. I might as well go live under a bridge. I'm serious. This is what my flesh does to me. This is what the enemy does to me. I don't have a little bit more, so I don't have, it, it devalues everything that I do have. Is this crazy? I'm, this is what keeps us from getting in the game because we're looking across at everybody else and like, you know, I would be a teacher, but then I went into Erica King's class and I saw her teach and, and she is better at teaching than me. So I'm just not going to teach. Because I don't have er. I almost didn't preach because I love my pastor so much and I love to listen to him preach. Here I am, a young guy, and I'm like, why would I preach? Because he's a better preacher. That didn't work, did it? <laughs> so I almost didn't open my mouth because why open my mouth? My God, one of the best preachers alive is already here. Why would I preach? Err, comparing ourselves. So why even try? Can I tell you something? God keeps me on this. and, and I, I'm, I'm exposing my own insecurities here. I don't need any compliments. Don't go, hey, you're the best. I don't, don't, please don't do that. If you do that, it's not a compliment. It's bad. All right? But, but God keeps me on this stage playing this guitar, and sometimes I don't even understand why, because there are a lot of better guitar players than me. I go see people, I go watch people play the guitar, and I go, why would I even play the guitar? 
Why, 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 why even play? Because if you don't have earth, then you don't have anything. But can I tell you something? There's always somebody that's going to have earth in you. Because here's the real truth about discontentment is er is not enough. Your flesh will never be happy until it has est. Until you are pretty est, rich est, fast est, that's est. What in the world is that? Fancy est, skinny est. Est. Right? Right? We're all, we're all there. Y'all, y'all listen to me. I, 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 social media jacks me up. Social media jacks me up. It really does. It just, it, it messes with me. And it, it's, 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 it's where I am in my maturity, my walk with the Lord. Like, and I'll be honest about that. I can, I can I'll be seriously honest. Social media jacks me because, see, I made the mistake. I go follow all these, I follow all these preachers. And, and they're all like the preacher's preacher. And every time I listen to one of them preach, I think, what, what am I even doing? What, what? And, I, and please don't compliment me. I'm learning, I'm growing in my relationship with God. I'm hoping that as I expose my own insecurities, you can see some of yours. Because yours, y'all, y'all probably don't envy preachers like I do. You look at them, you listen to me, listen to me. You, you, you pan across Joel Osteen's church and like on one row, there's like seven times the amount of people that are in this room right now. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we even, what's, what? Oh, the enemy loves it. The enemy loves it. Doesn't he? You drive through town, you see what other churches are doing. Maybe we should be doing that. Maybe that would get us some more. Maybe... Just compare. And then when you start feeling a little bit insecure, you look at the other churches and go, well, <laughs> we're better at this than they are. And it's just the, the, the sick body of Christ, isn't it? I'm just sharing my heart with you. It produces discontentment. Listen, every time you compare, you undermine what God wants to do through you. You undermine what God wants to do through you when you compare. You devalue the precious thing that God has given you. You know, I know you're all thinking of the thing right now. Like, what does God give me? Hey, Moses had a staff. I don't even have that, right? Like, I'm trying to think of what I have. I don't have anything. But I love it that God does this. After God uses the staff, I I love what God does. Because, because see, he's, he's telling Moses, really, the staff isn't the answer. He says, Put the staff down. Take nothing. Take nothing in your hands. Put it in your coat. And he pulls it out, and it's leprous. And I think God was telling him, you don't even need anything. I can do more with nothing than you can do with, than Pharaoh can do with everything. See, I'm, I'm talking to somebody in here today. I'm talking to somebody in here today who, who's, who's watching the other person run their 40 and who's, watch, who's, who's comparing themselves to the other person who's 6'6 who's six, six and, and, and 220 pounds and they're the specimen of all specimens. They look like a Greek god. I'm talking to you because you think you have nothing because of what you've compared it to. But really, what you have doesn't matter. It's what you do with what you have that matters. Amen? Moses' problem wasn't what he had, it's that he had not given it to God yet. God will take your offering of your stick, he'll take your offering of nothing, and he'll turn it into the power that he needs to accomplish his task on this earth today. Amen? Amen? Amen. Will we give it to him? Comparison is killing us. Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. Listen to this. But envy rots the bones. Rots the bones, man. This thing is killing us. Rots the bones. We're just like rotten. Rotten with comparison. Listen to me. I know this because I felt it. I feel the force, the power. The, listen, I feel this thing getting on me saying, Colby, you are not enough. 
What you've accomplished isn't enough. Where you've been isn't enough. What you're doing isn't enough. Listen, the, this, stop. Just quit. Just throw in the towel. You can't do it. All the while, God's saying, I wonder if he'll just trust me with the broken mess that he is and believe that I can use him in a way that he never dreamed possible. It rots the bones. But you know, comparing, it doesn't only look up, does it? Comparing looks down. Looks down. I feel bad when I see somebody who has more than me. So what I do is, is I look over here to see somebody who has less for me to make me feel better. Comparison goes both ways. But see, the problem is, Comparing either makes you feel inferior or it makes you feel superior. But here's the thing. Neither one honors God. This isn't, this isn't about being the best or being the worst. This is about being faithful with what God has given us. Amen? That's what this is about. And we're all looking for the pipe dream somewhere down the road that there might be something better. Instead of honoring God with what we have now. Amen? So it produces discontentment. Where does it come from? I'm going to give you a hint. Comparison and insecurity did not start when social media came around. Right? But that does magnify it, doesn't it? You ever just scroll through Facebook and just feel like, why even live life anymore? (laughs) Right? Because their marriage and their stuff and their vacations and the amount of followers that they have and, 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 and the trips that they took. And, I feel like I'm all alone in here today. The problem is, is man, we're, we're comparing our reality, our everyday, like our changing diapers to everybody else's highlight reel. Right? right. right? right. It's, 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 it's so fake. It's so not real. And we all do it. Right? Listen to me. Your place doesn't look like that all the time. Like, it was the perfect sunset with the perfect filter, right? And, and like the, the perfect scene, and like you got that, the perfect tree. The rest of the trees needed to be trimmed. The grass wasn't cut, right? But we get all jacked up because we go, oh, that's perfect, man. I think I want that place. My grass needs to be cut. Well, cut it. We compare. It didn't start, comparison didn't start when social media came around. It magnifies it, but it's not the source of it. See, I'm not going to read it because I don't have time, but I'm going to take you all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And I want to show you where, this, where this, this sick, unholy, evil thing that is the plan of Satan to keep the church of God from being all that it could be. From, listen to me. Listen, listen to what the Satan does. He comes up to Eve. Here, Eve, she's got everything. Everything. And he comes up to her and he says, hey, did God really tell you you shouldn't eat the tree out of that tree? She said, no, I mean, we can eat out of all these trees. We just can't eat out of the one in the middle of the garden. And Satan goes, yeah, I know. It's too bad. Because God knows that if you ate out of that one, then you would be like God. The original comparison was when man compared himself to God. And he realized that he didn't quite have everything. In the evil that came in through comparison, Eve said, you know what? I'm not quite as good as God. God is a little bit richer than me. He's a little bit higher than I am. And so I think I would like 
to compete for his position. Check out the next thing that happens. Immediately when her and Adam ate the fruit, they saw that they were naked. What do you think happened? They're like, I'm naked. Man and woman. Insecurity was immediate. I'm telling you, Adam looked at Eve and was like, I got to cover myself up because I am not that. Is there a man that's going to argue? They begin to compare themselves to each other. They pitted themselves. Listen to me. Sin pitted themselves against one another as they compared their own attributes, their own features, their physical bodies to one another, and they had to cover them up because neither one measured up to the other. The eyes of sin are never satisfied. I'm going to say it again. The eyes of sin are never satisfied. They only stare to compare. Thank you. Thank you. No, sorry. Y'all clapped better the last time I made a good point. But we're not comparing. We're not comparing. Listen to me. The eyes of sin are never satisfied. That's why they have to have est. Never going to be satisfied. Compare sin. They got it up there? Y'all like that? That is on the cheese meter It's off the charts, but it works. Amen? Compare sin because that's what it is. Every time I look at you and long for what you have, it is sin in my life. And every time I look at somebody and thank God I don't have what they have because I have what I have, it's sin in my life compare sin. This has always been the plan of Satan to keep the children of God out of God's best. I'm almost done. How do we overcome it? How do we overcome it? Come on, God is calling us to get in the game and the first thing that we do, we're just like Moses. We're like, okay, I'm gonna get in the game, but... We begin to look side to side and wonder if we are the one for the job. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, this is how we overcome it. This is our theme scripture for the series, Get in the Game. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Your race does not look like my race. So when you try to run my race, you are missing out on what God has for you on your race. Every single person has a race that God has marked out for them. And if I don't run mine and I try to run yours, I'm going to lose every single time. I can't run your race and you can't run my race, but we can all run our own race. And when we do, the kingdom of God is built. Amen. Listen to this. Run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus as we run our race. We're not looking to the right. We're not looking to the left. We have our eyes fixed on Jesus. And Jesus is the source. Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus is where our contentment comes from. As long as you see yourself in the light of something or someone else, instead of the light of what God says, you can never become the impact player that God has called you to be. How was Moses successful? It tells us in Hebrews eleven twenty seven. It says, by an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. Listen, this is is talking about Moses. How did he split the Red Sea? How did he overcome his own insecurities, comparing himself to somebody else? How did he accomplish all that he accomplished with a dadgum shepherd's staff? I'm going to tell you how it's right here. It says, he had his eye on the one no one can see and kept right on going. 
His eye was not on Sister Sally. His eye was not on Brother Bob. His eye wasn't on their house or their house or their, their Facebook page or their Facebook page. It wasn't on that church or that church. His eye was on the one no one could see. I'm telling you, if we'll stop all this looking around, looking around what's better out there, greater over here, the discontentment in our lives would begin to go and we would be able to see clearly what God has for every single one of us. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. You can compare what you have with others or you can surrender what you have to God. Comparison keeps you at the center of the equation, but surrender keeps God at the center of the equation. I want to challenge you this morning as you're considering getting in the game, as you're running your race, as you're teaching, as you're serving, as you're doing, as you're being the, the man, the woman of God that God's called you to be, as you're, as you're walking through difficulty in your marriage, as you're raising your children, as you're living your life, as you're on the job, I want to encourage you to listen to the question that God's asking you, the same question that he asked Moses. What's in your hand? Quit longing for something greater. Quit wanting somebody else's circumstance. What's in your hand? You say, man, I don't even know if I can identify it. That's good. Then I would challenge you to give nothing to God. Give your nothing to God. Man, all I've got is this measly stick. Surrender it to God. I don't care if it's bigger, better, badder than anybody else's in the world. I believe that God is looking for a surrendered vessel, a yielded vessel, who will surrender what we have to him, trusting that he is the one that can make it happen, rather than trying to make it happen ourselves. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. Run your race. Run your race. Run that race. He's marked it out for you. He's marked it out for me. Every single one of us has a call from God to surrender, to lay down our lives before him and run the race that he's marked out for every single one of us. There is not one person in this room that God is not calling to get in the game to do something significant for him. Not one person. Nobody gets to sit on the sidelines. He's not running a combine. Jesus ran the combine. He was the 6'6", 220. He runs the 4440. He's the one who can accomplish all the things that we can accomplish ourselves. So this life isn't about trying to make it happen. This life is about surrendering to him and allowing him to make it happen. All throughout Moses' call, God never asked Moses to do one thing except say yes. That's all he asked him to do. Moses, just say yes. God would even actually say, it's going to be me that turns the water. It's going to be me that sends the plagues. It's going to be me that delivers them out of the hand of Israel, out of the hand of Egypt. Listen, this isn't about all the great things that you get to do and that I get to do. This is about surrendering ourselves to him and watching him accomplish his purposes in your family, in this community, in this church. He's not looking for us to show up and show out with all of our great, amazing attributes. He's just looking for us to surrender what we have to him. And he uses it for his glory. Amen? He's just looking for our yes. He's looking for our yes. The first yes you have to say is yes to Jesus, yes to salvation. That's the first yes. That was Moses' first yes. He had to have an encounter at the burning bush. He had to experience something 
that made no sense to make his life make sense. And that thing for us is the cross of Jesus. So if you're in here today, if you died today, Sheila said it earlier, you don't know if you would go to heaven, what would you say to God? God, I get in based on my good works and accomplishments and my own merit. Or have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus? Because that's the only thing that'll make you worthy as you stand before God. The first yes you have to say is to Jesus and the salvation that he has for you. Is there anybody in here you want to say yes to Jesus today?